Welcome to Game Changers by Logitech G, a six-part podcast series for the ones taking the risks, breaking the mould and changing the game. I'll be talking to a variety of people in the gaming world about different topics from diversity in gaming to its effect on mental health. I'm your host, Alan Boyston. Advertising in games is only getting bigger, as Wendy's joining Fortnite and winning a Cannes Lion Award last year shows. Games companies estimate the US market for in-game advertising on all devices will exceed $3 billion in 2020, despite gamers saying that it hinders their experience. Although marketing pollutes our games with brand messages we may not want, it does bring in a lot more money to the industry, and in some cases, more games. The bulk of gamers said they'd be happy to see an increase in advertising in video games, even if it means a lower RRP. Today, I'm joined by Nina Mackey and Rob Dagwell of Bidstack, Nina, Rob, welcome to the Logitech G podcast today. You both work for Bidstack, but you have very different roles within the company. Uh, Nina, first, tell me a bit about your role on the marketing aspect. Yeah, sure. Hi, Alan. Thanks for having us on today. Um, so my role at Bidstack um, is a startup company. Um, so I look at agency partnerships and I help educate the market when new technology um, is created. So a lot of that involves just going out and speaking to the advertising side. So I deal quite heavily with advertising agencies and brands. So Rob, uh, you work on the other aspect, uh, Bidstack. Uh, what does that involve referring, you know, liaising with games companies that sort of piggy in the middle, essentially? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I'm sort of the middle middleman, in bet- uh, so to speak, in between the publishers, developers, and Bidstack. Um, and as a game myself, basically I help vet out the games uh, within the market because obviously not all games want advertising not all games can have advertising so I've sort of sit in the middle and make sure that the publishers are happy through the onboarding process if they say yes but also understand exactly what they're getting into and how it all works and make sure they understand all the process we have okay so Nina we're seeing more marketing in video games can you tell us a little bit about the last few years how it's grown uh, and give us some examples and some successful examples in recent times as well yeah, sure, of course. Um, so obviously, going way, way back to console days, um, people will be familiar with having seen brands, especially in sort of sports games or racing games or other um, titles that are similar. When ads were seen in those games back in sort of a decade or so ago, they were actually hard-coded into the game, which meant, you know, if you were Coca-Cola, for example, and you wanted to be in FIFA, version of FIFA, you would have to contact the game publisher ahead of the game design and release and they would have to design you know the the billboards and the pitch side hoardings to include your advertising um obviously times have moved on um that is still being done um in many respects you know if you want to do bespoke partnerships with game publishers you will have to still go down that route what bidstack have been trying to do and have managed to successfully do today is actually create a piece of technology which allows you to serve that advertising during when the game's actually being played. So that's obviously called programmatic, which we'll go into a little bit later on. Um, It's a massive step for the industry because it means that there's flexibility in terms of not just how many ads you run, but who actually sees the ads and whether those ads are relevant, um, which is something that you've never been able to do before. Um, An old partnership with, say, a racing brand, um, let's just say, I don't know if it was Red Bull and Formula One, for example, that partnership would be exactly what you would see in in the real world. Um, So there's no flexibility there. doesn't matter who's playing it or what country they're in, they'll see the same ad. Um, Nowadays, with Bidstack's technology, we can, you know, 
obviously factor in that somebody may be playing the game in Germany or in the US. It might be a female playing a game. It could be a male. And then obviously age demographics as well. These are all factors that we can determine what sort of ads should be served at the right time. Uh, uh, uh aspect we've referenced was uh, Wendy's advertising in Fortnite. What's a few good examples, Rob, would you say where brands have been included? Yes, I mean, obviously you've got Wendy's in Fortnite, as you mentioned, and that's part of this new age of in-game advertising and how it's changed over the last probably, what, 2020 now, probably last 15 years or so. Um, And the reason that's been allowed to happen is the the complete, the technological advancements within the game industry. So obviously you've got... um, things like go back to 2004 or whatever, the quality of the games mm-hmm. and the quality of the ad placements and stuff probably looked a bit cheesy. It looked like someone just sort of bad slapped on there, which no brand likes to be known for doing or anything like that. Come bring it forward to 2020 and we have the technology to be able to incorporate your brand into a game so it fits in seamlessly with the gameplay narrative. Like Wendy's in Fortnite, you can have your Wendy's character and stuff like that. Um, there have been moments in the past where games haven't, although it's not... a brand directly in the gameplay brands have tried to get involved in the game industry and it hasn't always Mm. gone their way uh there is a brand whose name i will not mention but they are a popular fast food brand um and they had a bit of a nightmare on the live streaming platform twitch and they put an icon on there of a fast food food item and uh it backfired against them within about 15 minutes on a massive channel thing uh went down the racist alley and it didn't didn't pan out too well for them but then th- there are also big success rates of uh, various different brands within gaming. Mercedes have got involved within the within a lot of racing games like Forza, back off the back of their partnership with Formula One. Um, so they, yeah, there are different ways to get involved in Wendy's, Mercedes and stuff is there part of the new age. Let's talk about an example then. Death Stranding. Game came out last year, uh, you know, an ap- apocalyptic future but you've got a fridge with perfect games of Monster <laughs> yeah. Energy in it. Yes. It, yeah. it created a buzz, so you could say it's successful. There's a lot of people talking about it, a lot mm-hmm. of people seeing it, but your suspension of disbelief of being in the game mm-hmm. is over when you find your perfect yeah. fridge full of Monster <laughs> Energy in when there's no humans left hardly in the world, mm-hmm. uh, comparatively speaking. Um, I mean, I don't know where they're manufacturing it, for example. Uh, it, what, what, what do we call it? Is that successful or not successful? What do we, what do we think of an, an exercise like that? Yes, I guess from the product side of things, uh, it, it is successful because gamers have noticed your your brand. That's mm. the point. You can't sell anything for a game. They can't be playing Death Stranding and and buy a can of Monster. But that is that that is that brand recognition, that brand association. That if you see it often enough, you build up brand trust, whether you realize it or not, even if it's subliminally. Um, you see it a lot in the football market these days, uh, whether you agree with it or not. Betting is very formidable within the football market um and that's how brands build up that brand trust by every time you watch football there is you see the same adverts from the same brands and you build up that brand trust and that brand association um and it works it's no different in gaming every time a gamer turns on their playstation or or (coughs) xbox or whatever they can see they see your brand they see it. it they may not acknowledge it they may find it funny but it's there at the end of the day, and they can still say, I associate that brand with this game. So, yeah, I, I think Death Strand is interesting <clears throat> because you just you know that it's going to be a success, relatively successful game. We, we know that anyway. Hideo Kojima's behind it. Uh, they put a drinks brand in there that you know that because it stands out and it doesn't fit into the game world, and it, it just seems a bit silly. It makes you laugh or something. It, it, it sort of works and doesn't work. I'm kind of torn when I look at that as a gamer because there's a part of me that says, yeah, they got a brand in there, but was that the right way to put 
the brand in there. It didn't aid the sales of the game because the game sells itself, but did it aid the sales of Monster Energy? So the next thing I guess I, I'll ask Uni, you probably know mm -hmm. more about this, is when a brand appears in a game, mm -hmm. take Monster Energy is a good example yeah. that many viewers will know there, all the Wendy's. Yeah. What is the barometer of success? How do we track yeah. that? It depends on the brand, and I think if you look at Monster and their relationship with gamers, it's it's a, a very long-running relationship. It's the same with Red Bull. Um, so there are certain brands that can definitely get away with it, and it yeah. doesn't really matter what they do. Actually, probably the more silly it is, the better. Um, and I think, you know, Grand Theft Auto as well, another example of a, a game that doesn't allow um, brands to have their own branding in there right. but if they have a parody brand so something satirical or mm. you know if, if there's a if there's a humorous tone to it then then yeah it's a possibility right yeah. so i think there's there's two sort of aspects to what makes it successful or not um as rob pointed out the fast food brand um that could have been a successful campaign but they did it on the wrong platform. And what they didn't factor in was that there would be a whole lot of um, unpoliced comments on the right-hand side that everybody can see that's brand-associated. Mm. Um, so things like that, you know, when, when it's in-game, i.e. it's brand-safe, you have complete control of the content and you know what's, you know, how it's going to appear and what it's going to look like, I think it's reasonably safe, even if it isn't a fit with the game. Um, you know, make a comedy element out of it and, and it will still be deemed a success. Um, and I think DHL, um, another brand that you wouldn't really align necessarily with, with gaming, they, they put a huge amount of money into esports um, a few years ago and they actually had, um, they sponsored a tournament, which I can't remember the yeah, name of. I think of. it was... Uh, it was... Uh, yes. ESI Birmingham or yeah ESI it, one it ESL big, one Birmingham yeah, yeah and they had um, they actually had like a a functioning um, delivery robot so you could go in and and you could you could play it hmm. um, they they did lots of stuff like this in different markets at different game expos and events um, really pushing quite hard for esports alignment so they sponsored esports tournaments as well and it worked you know people yeah. actually now think of DHL as the, an, a gaming partner so you know if you if you do it right as a brand you can be completely unknown to gamers and as long as you do the right stuff um yes it's a success so i think they've they've had a, a huge amount of success from from doing that kind of sponsorship angle now brands will come to you and they'll say well i want to target particular demographics particular game mm -hmm. titles rob i mean it seems to me that sport seems to be the obvious one because you've got hoardings around stadiums, you've got hoardings around racetracks. And that's why in a way I was sort of surprised, with, I suppose Grand Theft Auto has hoardings everywhere, but mm -hmm. they, they have their brand and they know what they're doing. Uh, you, 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 advertise, you, you, you advise companies, I guess, uh, in terms of what games and markets they should be targeting, what age yeah. group, because uh, brands, they come to you and they say, we want to be in video games. They don't always know what to do. What kind of advice do you give them? Well, it could, it completely depends on what they want out of it, what they want out yep. of it. Do they? Because um, coming coming along saying uh, I want to advertise in gaming is no different to saying, oh, I want to advertise in sport. It's a bit. It's a gaming is a very generic term, and these days covers so many different aspects of so many different things and so many levels. So you can't just say I want to advertise in sport. You a brand would say, right, I want to advertise. Th th this is my target audience, and they are watching this sport. Yeah. So it's the same in gaming. This is my target audience, and based on research, they are playing these kind of games, or they're likely to play th this genre more than th that genre. Their peak playing times are Friday nights as opposed to Sunday afternoons. Um, 
and stuff like that. And you can really base your advertising campaign all around that. So there's, yeah. a, I think, one thing brands and agencies and everyone, if, even in the game industry, everyone has to learn is there are so many layers to it. You yeah. can't just say I'm going to advertise in gaming because, I mean, I mean you're a gamer. You know, gaming will eat you alive if you get it wrong. <laughs> if you get it, this is a yeah. industry that is <clears throat> fed solely by social networking. Yeah. It can be toxic. Yeah. It can be toxic, and if you get it wrong they all know you can't delete any once it's on the internet you can't get it back yeah. so if you get it wrong once they'll they know about yeah. it and yeah. and people will remember it it's always important to get it right and there that's where you both work for the same company mm -hmm. but there's i've always found there's two sides to marketing <clears throat> there is the side that is purely number crunching what's your numbers and what can we deliver mm -hmm. then the other side is the creative process these two you have is constantly clashing because i, I often say well you just want to be involved with uh, quality uh, as well as quantity in that way how do you both find the balance because I mean, you might, I, I assume you'll have some big brands that sometimes say, I just want my yeah. brand in that game as it is. I want you to make it happen. Yeah, and you have to educate that brand essentially. What would be, or I say educate, yeah. I mean, you have to find a compromise that, that works yeah, for them. Yeah, I mean, and I think um, one thing that's worth pointing out here is advertising in game and the way that we do it is actually very new. Um, so, you know, as Rob pointed out, you might find there's lots of brands out there that want to be aligned with gaming. They know that you can now advertise in game. But the reality is that in terms of actual the number of big, big game titles out there that have, you know, the ability to serve ads programmatically, it's tiny. Right. So it's not like this is a, a fully developed ad category that people can just plug in and buy ads. Right. So we're, we're a good few years away from that. Um, so it's it's the technology has been created. It's in its infancy. And really, you know, from my side and from the advertising side, our job is educating those big brands on, you know, you want to be testing this now. You want to be somebody who is at the forefront of understanding how gamers react to the types of ads that you do. Um, what are the types of ads you can do? I mean, if you know, if you're talking about what Bedstack have done, so we've we've stayed very much in the realm of esports or that would have, you know, ads in those places in in the real world and sticking to that because it's a natural fit. Um, as the channel evolves, we will start to see ads in more open world games that are served programmatically. So a bit like Monster and Death Stranding. So, so let's talk then, programmatic yeah. advertising. I've always known it as banner ads on websites yeah. that target the demographics. You're not incorrect. Uh, uh, yeah. Tell us a bit of, uh, for the audience who may not know what programmatic yeah. advertising is, if you can tell us briefly what that is yeah. and examples of how we could see that in games. Okay. Um, so I mean, all programmatic is is just an automated way of buying and selling ad placements and that could be anywhere that could be on your a website that you're on it could be on a mobile device um so obviously with gaming it's new because there's never been a bit of technology that can let you serve them automatically automated on in, an, in a game until bidstack built the um it's called an sdk mm -hmm. and that piece of kit as the publisher the game title puts that in there it means that any available ad slots if you like that sit within the game we can serve an ad in real time um, it can be bid on by multiple brands and the winning bid will that ad will be served that's that's all it is it's like an auction basically and it's all automated um, and the way they're served is based on the data that's available from the game publisher 
So yeah. the question on that then is they have their logo, they have their assets, they yeah. send those assets across. Yeah. Uh, do those assets, I mean, do they need to be ordered to uh, organise in particular ad sizes? I mean, because yes. I imagine different games have completely different layouts in the way they could show it. They may have a, a colour palette and hues and stuff like that that alter the Yeah, I the mean, look. And, and tech... Tech-wise, this is the bit that took quite a long time. So Mm. what our tech does is it takes that same size and it repurposes it for the in-game. So it factors in, you know, the ad might be at an angle, it might be being splashed with water, it might be semi-visible through daylight or nighttime, um, and it and it adjusts the ad in real time to the gameplay. And that's that's the cool bit of technology. Um, In terms of what you're asking about sort of the actual content of the ad so the assets and the creative it's limited you know i'll be honest i think we we are at the beginning of what we're doing and again esports and you know kind of um racing games and things like that is a natural fit so any ads that you would see in the real world we can replicate that in game and it keeps it nice and simple um you know you can't click on them like you would if you were on our website um it doesn't direct you anywhere because you're in a game environment um and i'd say probably football pitch side ads so where you see led animated ads that's probably about as fancy as it gets um, at the moment i mean it doesn't we when we've we've spoken about countless Mm. times in the office it doesn't it doesn't need to be more than that yeah like in-game advertising it doesn't need to be what mobile advertising has become you don't need to throw ads on something just because it's got an audience there mm-hmm. like i mean we there are there you may have a fantastic sports game with a fantastic stadium environment but if you don't have the billboards pre-built in there's no point in just slapping an ad in there just because yeah. oh no well it's it'll be in view it doesn't it doesn't work like that you've got to protect the the game itself and because the game is the game is a piece of artwork you yeah. can't ruin it and if you get the ad wrong be it the creative the ad is in like if it's if it stands out too much and just looks a bit silly if it doesn't fit in with the environment if it's got too much writing on looks a bit messy if you're playing if you're playing a racing game going at 200 miles an hour probably crashing into the sign you probably don't want a video ad because you can't read it you like there so there are so many different things to bring in and as long if you get it right it can be received it can it can be received really really well and it adds to that realism of the game because if you're playing fifa for example or Mm. madden or something if you take the ads out, although most users probably wouldn't notice it if you just had billboards with nothing on, just black billboards, but they'll sit there and say something's missing, weird. something's yeah. not right, and you notice you notice it if you're watching real life yeah. football, if you're watching yeah. Arsenal perform fantastically at the Emirates, you would notice that if the billboards were off or they started flickering or there yeah. was an ad on there that you thought, did yeah. that just say what I think it said or something? That's a really weird brand to see on there. And you, and although you don't talk about it, it's not a, it's not a water coolest moment at all of what you see on a billboard. Mm-hmm. If it's not there, you notice it's not there. And when yeah. it's there, it adds to the realism. It's exact same in game. And we may as well use it rather than having fake ads, of course. Exactly. It's a place where millions exactly. of people that, yeah, see that, it. That's usable space. Uh, so that brings me to the next question, uh, which really is, you've got this system. Uh, you've put advertising into games. That's only going to get better and better in terms of technology. But now you need to educate games developers. So how do you get in front of games developers? Because, yes, uh, the obvious fit is obviously sports games, but if developers know that there's other opportunities around games, then they might be able to integrate features that that improves this tech as we move forward. 
Uh, Rob, I assume you're talking more to developers about these opportunities. Yeah. What what's some good examples of of success now of what you're look what's currently available, but also what you're looking at in the future in terms of how to improve this service? Yeah, I mean, so actually getting in front of game devs is it's pretty easy. I mean, the game the gaming industry as a whole moves so quickly. You don't have time to say no to a possibly emerging technology. Okay, it might not be for you, but there's so much happening. They get so many different requests, especially with the likes of VR and AR and all that coming out. There's always always something new and always something new to listen to and just be aware of in the industry. Yeah. Um, some publishers and developers are really for it. Yeah. Some aren't, and that's completely fine. You can't, like like I said earlier, you can't force an add into the game if, mm-hmm. if you because they're very wary because they've some of these games they they could have spent years working on. I mean, one coming out hopefully towards the end of this year, uh, Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. That's been in development since 2013, I think. Yep. And that's been pushed back and back and back. And people are getting really annoyed of it. But at the end of the day, they've only pushed it back because they want it to be perfect. Yeah. So you can imagine approaching a company like that and saying, do you want to put ads on it? They may hesitate. But then if mm. as long as you explain and you make sure everything works well, because that is a fantastic environment for, for ads yeah. to be in. Yeah. As long as you do it right, it can fit well. If yeah. you, and that's what, that's what you got to explain. So it's just about basically making sure they understand what they're getting into mm-hmm. and how it's it may sound awful mm-hmm. it may because their first thought is probably yeah. what the hell yeah. because no gaming and advertising they're not friends they haven't no. been for a long time yeah and and you've you've we've got a, we sit now sit in the middle of that almost broke semi-broken relationship and we're the we're the mediator we're trying to couple them back up because they it does work it does work it's just the industry's been burnt in the past yeah. And a lot of people in gaming know that. Like we, we've had a few publishers say, "Oh, what about this?" Because um, companies have tried doing it in the past, mm-hmm. back in the early two thousands, but the technology wasn't there, or the game graphics weren't there. And the, if you can't, if you've got a game with really bad graphics, it just makes any ad look awful. Yeah. And so, whereas yeah. now we're at the point in gaming where, I mean, gaming you can game in four K, yeah. so right. ads can look stunning and really suit the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just it's just about that education piece. But the other side of the coin is a lot of them already know about it. A lot of them know it's possible. A lot of them are doing it already in yeah. different formats, like on mobile. A lot of people are advertising. Um, Voodoo, a massive mobile company, they smash out their marketing on Instagram and stuff. Um, they have a, they have loads of reward based advertising and that. But just because they're doing it that way doesn't mean that the doors close on another way. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's always just it's opening a new door and making sure they understand how the process works. Uh, you know, you mentioned cyberpunk, and straight straight away your mind goes to a place of, you know, you what's your ad going to be like in 2080 <laughs> or something? Think about a future yeah. version of your own yeah. product and integrating that. And it just makes people laugh, but they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That could be quite appealing though to yeah. the yeah. brand. Absolutely. That idea of being able to be like, right, well, we can because you can't. It, like you said, if it is a if it is based in 2077, you can't just put a typical ad into the game. You have to be able to adapt the artwork to suit the style. I mean, say, uh, take Red Dead Redemption, for example. That That is going all the way back, and mm-hmm. most brands probably couldn't go in there yeah. looking at the late 1800s, but say a brand like Coke, yeah, that was around the late 1800s. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if in ad. the event you yeah. have a very old ad artwork yeah. locked away, or you can have your creative team have a bit What's of freedom, and go mad of it. You can make it look really, really smart as long as you don't ruin the artwork of the game, yeah. which is something we make sure we do, and we have a, yeah. we have loads of processes, systems involved that we make sure that doesn't happen. 
get your barrel of energy drink. Exactly. Yeah, yeah sort of thing. <laughs> it's interesting. I, you know, we've gone from a point where where literally brands would actually make their own games. And I remember sort of in the 90s, like Cool Spot, where yeah. you played as the red spot from 7-Up in a game, yeah. basically. It was quite popular at the time. But now brands would be better advertised, really, to form a partnership with established gaming <laughs> brands and, and advertise in that sense. I guess you come from different angles now. You've got the games companies on one side, and they, they've got the creative vision that they don't want to alter in any way. You've got the brand on the other side. Where would you two disagree in terms of, or, or f have a point where you come a bit of, bit of friction in terms of how do we make this happen? What's the most important thing at the end? Because that client, they want to spend money and you've got somebody who wants to make money. How do we, but in a way that yeah. works in that sense? I think that's a good question. And as you know, Rob quite rightly pointed out, Bidstack are sort of a mediator. Yeah. You know, that that is our position here. Um, Yes, there's lots and lots of money to be made from advertising in game, but you've got to remember these the major game publishers out there are pretty rich already. Like yeah. advertising is yeah. really not that important to them. And that you know, that's that's the reality mm. here, right? So there has to be something else that's uh, a priority and that of course is does it enrich the game player, does it enrich the experience for, for the gamer, right? Mm. And you have to have both people in agreement here that from the publisher side, yes, I can see how having said um, brand within my game is going to add to authenticity or it aligns really well or it's, it's personalised and it's targeting the right person. All that aside from the publisher side, it has to match with what, you know, what the brand want out of it, which would be, I want to build a relationship with X mm. 18 to 34 year old in UK, right? Mm. So it, it's not, you know, there is definitely a, a long running feud if you like between gaming and advertising and I think that's that's where bid stack it's really important that we we come in with the arguments from both sides that's why Rob's so important with his his opinions and his views on a, a gaming side and why my role is important because I look at it from the brand's needs and, and yeah. wants you know yeah. there's always a middle ground and mm -hmm. I think you know especially now that the technology is there we are able to protect both the brand and the publisher from from things going wrong right yeah. so unless you do something really risky like yeah. the fast food brand thing on twitch mm. um you know if you keep it off open forum and you do something that's really well thought out that has brand safety measures in place that has a, a strict prohib prohibited list or things like that there, there are lots and lots of ways that you can protect both the brand and the game publisher from things going wrong well, it certainly sounds like you've got everybody covered, big companies, small companies. I guess final question really is, can you give any advice now looking to the future? Well, I mean, I think from certainly from an advertising perspective, I think we are right at the beginning of a, a very exciting time for, mm. for gaming um, and for the, you know, the kind of capabilities of the technology. Um, we are really only seeing the beginning of it. I think it's, it's going to get very immersive. It's going to get very um, personalized and tailored, very relevant. Um, I think the possibilities that really are endless and over the next couple of years with the launch of cloud gaming, obviously, um, making gaming more accessible to pretty much everybody um, and obviously 5G, meaning you can play on the go. Mm. I think that sort of 24 hour access to gaming and therefore those brands associated with particular games um, it, it really is a like a, an ad category that's just it's it's going to erupt over the next yeah. like year or two, um, and it's nice to be part of that. I think it's going to be very exciting. I think 
we're working with several partners at the moment to really carve out a standard because there, there isn't a benchmark because mm. it hasn't been done before, right? Mm. So, I mean, Bidstack, we see ourselves as innovators in, in terms of kind of setting those benchmarks for the industry, um, really kind of leading the way, if you like, um, and then hoping that as we move and as we prove our point that there is money there that can be done well, that actually gaming and advertising do work hand in hand, um, we'll start to see, you know, a much easier way of being able to just plug in and, and buy ads across small indie titles right up to big, you know, big AAA um, titles as well. So it's, it's coming, definitely. But I think publisher side... Um, as Rob will explain as well, it's probably quite exciting for them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah massively. I mean, uh, it, like you said, it, this is just the start. It's it's gaming is now at a point where advertising can does can be implemented in a way that doesn't affect the work mm. and the art of, of the game. So, and it's it's just the way the industry is moving, whether you like it or not. In the same way, we went from reading the reading newspaper and listening to radio to looking on your phones and watching TV this is the next technological step mm. and it's just and it's just the way it works if from a brand's perspective if if brands want to continue mm. tapping into that so ipad generation mm -hmm. which in 10 because ev everyone's on ipads and stuff yeah. now and all that so in five ten years time they're not going to be watching linear tv i mean mm. i don't i don't mm. I, unless i'm watching sport i rarely watch live tv everything's yeah. catch up yeah. where you can skip the ads so yeah. i don't really listen to the radio because everyone everything's on apple music or spotify <clears> on demand <throat> Don't really read the newspaper and stuff. So, so how are you? So how? So how are you reaching me? Yeah. Where, where, where's yeah. the? Where's your channel? And this yeah. is it now, and it's opened up, and there is an access point here. I mean, there's some ridiculous stats that are like teenage and stuff. The average paper person plays seven and a half hours a week, or something, or gaming, yeah. or something that's like crazy. that. And that's, crazy. that's only going to grow and mm -hmm. grow and grow as game becomes, like you said, more a lot more accessible. So if you you have you don't have a choice to get involved in this. If you want to keep targeting this audience over the next five to ten to twenty years, this is where they're going to be. They're still sat in front of screens. They haven't gone out on their bikes or anything. They're still sat in front of screens. Yeah. They're just not in front of the screen that you're still you're still paying a lot of money to target, and they're not actually on the end of it. Yeah. It's very hard to appreciate an ad and acknowledge a brand when you're fast forwarding times thirty, skipping for a, a, a recording on Sky. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and then from the publisher side of things, it's. It, this is a channel like it's it's very hard to make money in a very very saturated industry i mean there are something like eight thousand new games or apps put on stores and stuff every week oh. so oh. how do you stand out where can you make money from that because not everyone can sell a billion copies and have 200 250 million users like fortnite managed to do or anything like that so how where, where does your revenue come from you've got to, you've got to find something you've got to find something that doesn't ruin your game doesn't annoy your audiences you maintain that user retention and stuff and this is it this is this is that option is now available to you in very very easy packages mm. well it's been great hearing your your feedback on that i mean we've gone from marketing being a very separate thing to being fused in integrated and becoming a part of that world in a way that's authentic uh, the way that works and I think, as I say, marketing is can be very invasive. And I think I think it's educating people and finding the right balance. And I think today we've really learned a lot about that. Well, listen, Nina, Rob, thank you very much for coming in today uh, for this conversation. New episodes will be available every week. And if you've enjoyed this one, please make sure to subscribe on your app of choice and leave a review. Don't forget to follow Logitech on Twitter at LogitechGUK, Facebook, LogitechG.UK, and Instagram at LogitechG. 
There you'll be able to learn more about the new Lightspeed wireless range that's now available. I'm Alan Boyston, see you next time.